Hi, hi! So, dito na naman tayo. I hope katabi mo yung kape mo, kasama mo yung willpower mong mag-aral. And let's try to um, continue with our dreams and becoming lawyers. Now, in this second episode of Legal Rumblings, we will, um, we will try to understand and discover another civil law concept, also known as agency. Now, the contract of agency is governed by the provisions of the civil code from Articles 1868 to Article 1932. So, yung purpose ng pagdi-discuss natin today is for us to um, grasp the fundamentals of agency and uh, as much as possible, um, look at the specifics, illustrations, and um, things that we have to understand, diba? So, if you remember, my news, diba, lately involving Nadine Lustre, na meron daw violation ng kanilang agent contract. But, yun, it is important for us also to be informed, ano ba talaga yung agency? No? With all the Nadine Lustre issue. So, we discuss agency in four major segments. First is we have the nature, form, and kinds of agency. Then after that, after malaman natin kung ano yung agency, ano yung form niya, pupunta tayo ng ano yung obligations ng agent. Next is pupuntahan din natin ano yung obligations naman ng principal. At saka lastly, fourth is the extinguishment of the agency. Okay? So, uh, I hope you are mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically prepared because we will jump right into the first segment of agency, nature, form, and kinds of agency. Now, under Article 1868, it lays down the concept of agency. It says, by the contract of agency, a person binds himself to render some service to, or to do something in representation or in behalf of another with the consent or authority of the latter. So, binasa ko yung kaudal, no? So, basically, when we say agency, ito yung fiduciary relationship which implies a power in an agent to contract with a third person on behalf of the principal. So, basically, for example, ako bilang a human being, I would like to have another person act on my behalf. So basically, yun yung parang uh, uh, strip naked na definition ng agency. So, uh, also, no, it said that agency usually appears in business and commercial transactions. It may also arise in non-business transactions. No. Usually, the main provisions that covers agency are found in the civil code. So, let's just as look, ano yung characteristics ng contract of agency? Well, first, it is consensual, meaning it is based on agreement. It is principal, meaning it stands alone. It is also preparatory because usually, we, in, we enter into contracts of agency for entering into further transactions. And next, a contract of agency is also a nominate contract, meaning it has a specific provision or specific set of provisions that govern the application and the implementation as well as the creation of an agency. 
Now, it is fundamental for us to know that the basis of agency is representation. Diba? Yung person, limited na lang sa space and time. So, we need someone to represent us because we cannot be in two or more places at the same time. So, may need para sa atin to be represented. For example, to buy something, to sell something. For example, if you are not in the place as of the moment. So, ano yung purpose ng agency? Well, basically, it is to extend the personality of the principal through the facility of the agent who will render some service or to do something. It enables the activity of man, which is naturally limited in its exercise by the imposition of the physical conditions, to be legally extended by permitting him to be constructively present in many different places. So, di ba, usually, maririnig natin yan sa parents natin, I wish I could split my body into to perform yung mga kailangan kong gawin. Well, that is why we have the contract of agency, to extend your personality and to be constructively present in many places at different times. So, sino yung parties to an agency? Well, we have the principal and the agent. Yung principal, siya yung nag- nagre-represent, siya yung gina-represent, at saka the, the person from which the agent derives authority from. And yung agent, of course, siya yung nag-aak at saka nag-represent ng principal. So, that's 1868. Now, we go to 1869. Paano ba tayo maggagawa ng agency? Now, agency can be made expressly or in an implied manner. So, ma-imply mo yung agency from the acts of the principal, from his silence, lack of action, or failure to repudiate the agency, knowing that another person is acting on his behalf without authority. So, ano yung form ng agency? It may be oral unless may specific na requirement yung law. So, at this point, may need, there's a need to distinguish implied agency from agency by estoppel. Now, agency by estoppel will also be discussed later in 1911, but we also have to understand na diba, agency can also create be created impliedly. So, i-differentiate natin siya sa agency that arises because because of out of estoppel. <clears throat> so, the implied agency is an actual agency. Diba? It is derived from the acts, silence, lack of action, or failure to repudiate support ng principal. Now, sa agency by estoppel, there is no agency at all. Reliance is not necessary sa implied agency because, diba, meron namang totoong agency. But in, rela- in, in the agency by estoppel, third person must have relied in good faith sa uh, misrepresentation na merong agency. Authority, yung agent is a real agent sa implied agency, while on the other hand, apparent agent lang po yung sa estoppel, agency by estoppel, so hindi siya, wala siyang uh, lesser rights, technically no rights, as similar to that of a real agent. So, an illustration is the case of Yun Kwan Byung versus Pagkor decided in 2009 na there is no implied agency In this case, because PAGCOR did not hold out to the public na siya yung principal ng ABS Corporation. It did not mislead the public into believing that an agency could be implied from the arrangement. There is also no agency by Estopel since no proof was shown that PAGCOR clothed ABS with apparent authority. So, since agency is a contract, no, you engage another person to do things on your behalf, an agent should... um must also accept the contract, di ba? So, under article 1870, yung acceptance ng agent can either be expressed or implied. May i-imply mo siya from his acts when he carries out the agency 
or from his silence or inaction in accordance with the circumstances. So, may ano tayo, later provisions which illustrate yan. So, the agent can ex accept expressly, yes, I, uh, I want to be your agent, or implied from his acts which carry out the agency or yung silence and inaction, which leads us to Article 1871. So, this involves acceptance when between persons they are present, no? So, if present your principal, would-be principal, at saka yung would-be agent, just i-deliver ng principal yung power of attorney to the agent. Just tatanggapin siya ng agent without words, but without objection, then merong implied acceptance. So, we have, uh, we have now encountered the term power of attorney. So, what is power of attorney? So, basically, yan yung instrument in writing where the principal appoints an agent. Another instance of implied acceptance is under Article 1872, acceptance between persons who are absent. So in this situation na naman, wala. Siguro in one place, yung principal and agent, for example, in this time of pandemic, no, yung principal nasa Davao or tsaka yung agent nasa Surigao. So how do you establish that there was acceptance on the part of the agent? Well, so according to 1872, in this situation, hindi mo siya mai-imply by silence unlike yung sa 1871. Exception is, if nag-transmit ka ng letter or telegram, tapos nag-a-appoint ka ng agent in relation to business na he habitually engages. So, if na-receive niya yung letter tsaka hindi siya nagbigay na reply, then meron implied acceptance. Second, if merong transmit transmittal to the agent at tinanggap niya without objection. Yun yung mga instances na even though absent yung parties, there can be implied acceptance. So, under Article 1873, this involves the communication of existence of agency. So, may dumaan na motor. So, again, under Article 1873, this involves the communication of existence of agency. So, may dalawang pamamaraan para mag-communicate nang nag-i-exist yung agency. For example, number one, is if by special information, and number two, if by public advertisement. So, if pamamaraan ng by special information, for example, the principal informs A, B, C, and D that F is the agent, then F is deemed as an agent to whom the information was given, A, B, C, and D. So, paano mo din siya mare-revoke? In the same manner, you give the special information to A, B, C, and D that you revoke the agency. Now, if by public advertisement, well, of course, for example, in a newspaper or in a general circulation, you declare that F is your agent, then you are deemed, then F is deemed as an agent to any person, and you can only revoke that in the same manner. Now, a very important, um, very important and usual na issue when it involves agency is when it involves the selling of a land. Okay? Specific ng Article 1874. When it says, I will read, when a sale of a piece of land or any interest therein is through an agent, the authority of the latter shall be in writing. Otherwise, the sale shall be void. Important ito because if yung authority po ng agent is hindi siya nakasulat in writing, yung sale, yung sale mismo ang void. So, if we parse through the other provisions of the civil code on agency, the sale of land through an agent, actually may dalawa siyang requirement. First, the authority must be in writing. 
otherwise it shall be void under 1874, it must also be in a special power of attorney under Article 1878, number 5. So, however, diba, when it says special power of attorney, it means that yung authority na agent mo, it is specifically, uh, specifically and particularly uh, laid out. So, in this case of Estate of Olaguer versus Ong Hoko, decided in 2008, yung binigay dito sa agent is a GPA, also known as General Power of Attorney. Pero according to the Supreme Court, this was a sufficient compliance with Article 1874 because, also in Article 1878, because even though the law requires a special power of attorney, yung general power of attorney sa kasong ito was sufficient because yung agent was expressly empowered to sell the properties. Even if document is designated as GPA, the requirement of an SPA is met even if there is a clear mandate from the principal, specifically authorizing the performance of an act. Now, an illustration na hindi finalo, finalo yung 1874 as well as 1878 is the case of MCIAA versus Unchuan decided in 2016. Now, without an SPA specifying his authority to dispose an immovable, at a national case could not be legally considered as the representative of the other co-owners of the properties in question. It cannot be a valid source of obligation as he was not clothed with authority. Here, uh, basically, yung nangyari is, Atanasio, along with the property of others, binanta niya to a third person. It turns out, diba, that when you sell a land, it should appear not only in writing, but also in a special power of attorney. Since wala na yung special power of attorney, yung mga properties sa binanta niya, sali yung kanya, hindi siya binding, since wala naman yung, hindi naman siya legal representative, pero binding siya sa kanyang lupa, of course. Now, under Article 1875, yung agency, it is presumed to be with compensation. Now, we have to differentiate a broker from an agent. Yung broker, siya yung, um, in basic terms, the one who is the intermediary, the one who brings the parties together, while an agent is the one who is the representative of one of the parties no, or the principal. Now, yung broker, entitled lang siya sa compensation kung siya yung procuring cost. Now, in the case of Tan versus Gulias, well, uh, basically, yung broker becomes a procuring cost when, if because of his efforts, it was the, the his efforts were the foundation of the negotiation which led to the completion, to completion of the contract. Yun. Now, under Article 1876, there are two kinds of agencies, general agent and particular or special agent. When we say general agent, authorized to do acts connected with particular trade. For example, your store manager, di ba? Pwede siya mag-handle um, ng maraming bagay sa store. Hindi lang siya limited to becoming. Pwede siya mag-takeover sa cashier paminsan. Pwede siya mag-void ng sale doon. Yung in case na gusto ipakancel ng customer, yun. Now, a particular special agent, specific transaction. For example, authority to sell a certain house. Yun. Now, 1877, if your agency is couched in general terms, it is only meant to uh, empower the agent to exercise acts of administration. Even if nakasulat doon sa general power of attorney na uh, the principal withholds no power from this agent, it is only until the acts of administration. 
which brings us to Article 1878, which involves the special power of attorney. Now, a special power of attorney is necessary. May 15 po tayo na enumeration sa 1878, no? such as um, to ratify or recognize obligations, to accept or repudiate an inheritance, to become a guarantor, to bind the principal in a contract of partnership. Ito yung 15 cases whereby they are um, considered as acts of strict ad dominion, which requires now a special power of attorney, which is necessary for their execution. So, it is also important to emphasize na Article 1878 is not exclusive. Even though my 15 enumeration, number 15 provides that any other act of strict dominion. So when we say required yung SPA, does it mean na uh, there's a certain public instrument to be executed? Now it is said that yung requirement ng special power of attorney refers only to the nature of the authorization and not to its form. So, so be that as it may, you must establish, however, na nagbigay ka ng special power, specific, uh, definite, clear na power, particularly laid down, and it is it is to be established by clear and convincing evidence. So, it refers only to authorization and not to form. So, let us look at some cases to illustrate no, yung necessity po ng special powers of attorney. First case is the case of Woodchild Holdings versus Rojas Electric, decided in 2004. So in this case, uh, imagine that there are two lots owned by a certain corporation, magkatabi, lot 1 and lot 2. Now, yung President Rojas, president of the corporation, Rojas, was empowered to sell lot 1. Binigyan siya ng power ng corporation to sell lot 1. Now, here, gusto bilhin ng buyer yung lot 1 pero gusto niya din na magbili ng portion ng lot 2 para makadaan yung trucks niya, also known as the right of way. So yun, gigrant ni Rojas, nag-execute sila ng, um, ng conveyances. However, gi-question yun siya because uh, yung authority na binigay kay President Rojas in this case is only for the sale of lot 1, the sale of lot 1. So, sabi ng court, under Article 1878 No. 12, a special power of authority is required to convey real rights over immovable property. So, ano yung real right involved? The right of way. Thus, here, yung petitioners, hindi sila makafey ng ignorance of the need of a specific authorization and writing by the board of directors to grant such right of way or to sell a portion of the land. The rule is that if the act of agent is one that needs to be in writing, those dealing with him are charged with notice of the fact. And in addition, if the right if writing is required to grant authority to do therein a particular act, the ratification of that act must also be in writing. Another case is the case of Shopper's Paradise versus Rocky decided in 2004. This involved a 25-year lease over a parcel of land. Now, in this case, there is no showing na yung si Dr. Felipe is an authorized agent because if you look at Article 1878, number 8, it provides that the SPA is necessary to lease any real property to another for more than one year. So mag, if lalampas ng one year yung lease mo, it should, the, 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 the agent should have a special power of attorney to enter into such kind of contract because 
The lease of a real property for more than one year is considered not merely as an act of administration, but an act of strict dominion or ownership. Hence, a special power of attorney is required. Now, another case, in the case of Dominion Insurance for the Court of Appeals, yung payment of claims dito na insurance agent was not made from the funds in his possession. So, ngayon, yun kasi yung requirement under yung memorandum nila. So, since nag-pay siya ng claims, which is not in the usually considered acts of administration, required siya mag-follow ng special power of attorney. Another case, the case of Adriana Vils Pangilinan in 2002, sabi na, Yung acting Adriano in entrusting the, and delivering his certificate of title to Salvador was only for the purpose of helping him find a moneylender. And not having executed a power of attorney, Adriano did not authorize Salvador to be his agent. Because when you mortgage a property no, as an agent, a special power is required. 1878, number 7, sabi niya, it is necessary to have an SPA if you want to loan or borrow money in behalf of the principal. And also in 1878, number 12, you want to create or convey real rights over an immovable. In the case of People versus Carpo, decided in 2001, a special power of attorney is also required to enter into compromise, to enter into arbitration, uh, to submit questions to arbitration. If you renounce the right to appeal, you abandon a prescription already required. Now, sa case na ito, it, show, it was shown that yung mga yung counsel ng mga client, wala silang special power of attorney to enter into compromise. Hence, yung compromise, hindi siya makakabind sa principles. So, how do we construe a special power of attorney? In the case of Mercado versus Allied Banking, decided in 2007, a power of attorney must be strictly construed and pursued. The instrument will be held to grant only those powers which are specified therein, and the agent may neither go beyond nor deviate from the power of attorney. Where powers and duties are specified and divine in an instrument, all such powers and duties are limited and are confined to those which are specified and defined, and all other powers are excluded. So, in this case, yung agent, hindi siya makaka-argue na yung, even though may discrepancy sa aking special power of attorney, it means this other way. No, we strictly construe. Kung ano yung nakasulat sa special power of attorney na property, yun lang yung property na may authority yung agent na ibenta. Now, Article 1879 provides na if there's a special authority to sell, it does not mean you have an authority to mortgage, vice versa. So, but if you're given the special authority to sell, there are other um, parang subsume which is included in the authority to sell. Well, it includes the finding of a purchaser, the delivery of the property sold, to make the usual warranty and representations, to execute the necessary transfer document. Covered yun siya sa uh, special authority to sell, per it does not include the special authority to, to mortgage. Now, on the other hand, also, no, special authority to mortgage does not include the power to sell. And it also does not include the power to execute a second mortgage. In Article 1880, when you're given a special power to enter a compromise, it does not necessarily mean that you have a special power to submit questions for arbitration. They are two different matters and does not subsume one another. Because the principle is, yung principal may have the confidence in the agent to enter into a compromise, but the principal may not necessarily have the confidence on the part of the arbitrator to handle the case. To decide on the case. Now, on in Article 1881, 
this involves the authority of an agent, which is very important. So, pabasahin natin. The agent must act within the scope of his authority. He may do acts as may be conduct conducive to the accomplishment of the purpose of the agency. So, ano yung authority ng agent? For the principal to be bound by the acts of the agent, the agent must act behalf of the principal and also must act within the scope of his authority. So, it will uh, matter to the status of the contract if the agent acted in behalf of the principal and with his authority. But first, let us understand ano yung meaning ng authority. Authority is the power of the agent to affect legal relations of the principal by acts done in accordance with the principal's manifestation of consent to him. So, let us look at the status of the contract if entered into by the agent. If my authority from the principal and the agent acted in behalf of the principal and within the scope of his authority, the contract is valid and binding to the principal. If the authority of the principal is present but the agent binds himself, then the uh, contract is still valid but the one liable is the agent except when it involves the property of the principal. If walang authority ng principal, and the agent acts in behalf of the principal, the contract is unenforceable and may be ratified, which uh, uh, makes the contract valid unless, unless, of course, it has been revoked already. If walang authority from the principal that was acted in behalf of the agent, of course, the one who is uh, the contract may still be valid, but the one who is liable thereon is the agent. 1882, Yung limits ng agent shall not be considered as exceeded if should have been performed in a manner more advantageous to the part of the principal. So meaning, if it's more advantageous, hindi siya makukonsider as in excess of authority. But how do we determine if it's advantageous? You ask yourself, would the principal enter into this transaction? Now, under Article 1883, if an agent acts not in the name of a disclosed principal, of course, valid yung contract as long as within the authority. However, what if partially disclosed yung principal? Merong principal, pero yung identity na principal is unknown. It is submitted according to the books na yung principal is still bound, much like a disclosed principal. Because the third person knows that there is a principal, such that hindi na lang alam sino yung, specifically, sino yung principal. Then, we go to the rule on undisclosed principals. So, yung rule is, the agent is directly liable as if he entered into the contract. Exception is, if it involves the property of the principal. So, ano yung remedy na third person? If the agent did, uh, ano, if the agent acts by reason of an undisclosed principal, yung remedy na third person is against the agent. But if it involves now the property of the principal, the remedy of the third person is against the principal. Pero, if hindi niya determine, if may property o wala, or may principal pa talaga, then, the third person can just sue both. So, that, uh, that, that covers the first segment of, of the provisions on agency from Article 1868 to 1883. So, let's proceed with the second segment of the discussion on agency. Dito na tayo sa obligations of the agent. So, it's very important 
para malaman ano yung mga obligasyon ng agent. Let's start with 1884. The agent is bound by his acceptance to carry out the agency and is liable for the damages for which through his non-performance the principal may suffer. He must also finish the business already begun on the death of the principal should delay entail danger. So may two important obligations dito yung principal. Basically, in general, the agent is, by reason of his acceptance, obliged to carry out the agency, of course. First is, first specific obligation is that the agent shall be obliged, obligation to answer for the damages if uh, by reason of his non-performance or failure or delay in the fulfillment of the obligation. Another obligation in 1884, which is important to remember, is may obligation din yung agent to finish the business of the principal. Even if the principal dies, if, important, if it should entail the delay, that the delay should entail danger. So, an example is in the case of BPI versus Laingo, yung rule on carrying out of the agency. This involves a two-in-one deposit scheme where the depositor is automatically covered by an insurance. May internal agreement kasi yung BPI and FGU insurance in this case na yung certain depositors who are qualified are covered by the insurance. So, sabi ng court, BPI is treated as an agent of the insurance company in implementing the insurance policies. Now, since that is the rule, an agent is bound to carry out the agency. Now, ang nangyari kasi dito is, the, the, the insurance claim was denied because wala siya nakamake ng claim within the certain period as provided in the insurance policy. At saka yung defense dito ng claimant is, wala siyang alam as to the, actually, later pa nga na-discover na meron palang attached na insurance. So, sabi ng court, since an agent is bound to carry out the agency, the relationship existing between the principal and agent is a fiduciary one, demanding conditions of trust and confidence. It is the duty of the agent to act in good faith for the adv advancement of the interests of the principal. In this case, BPI had the obligation to carry out the agency by informing the beneficiary who appeared before the BPI to withdraw funds of the insured who was BPI's depositor not only of the existence of the insurance contract, but also the accompanying terms and conditions of the insurance policy in order for the beneficiary to be able to properly and timely claim the benefit. Now, 1885, what if yung person gidecline yung agency? I don't want to be your agent. There is still an obligation because that person shall be bound to observe the diligence of a good father in the custody and preservation of the goods forwarded to him by the principal, which is also deemed as a deposit. Also, yung principal din, meron din siyang obligation to appoint an agent or to take charge of the goods as soon as practicable. Now, under 1886, this involves the obligation of the agent to advance the necessary funds. Should there be a stipulation, then he is about to do so, except when the principal is insolvent, of course, because hindi niya na yun claim as reimbursement if insolvent yung principal. Now, under Article 1887, in the execution of the agency, merong obligation yung agent to act in accordance with the instruction. 
So, what is meant by instruction? How is it different from authority? When we say authority, di ba kanina, it is the power given to the agent to affect legal relations. On the other hand, instruction, basically, ito yung mga private, private uh, details, private directions, mga prescriptions on how to deal with certain, how to to conduct the performance of an obligation, mga certain manner, how to conduct yourself. So basically, your instructions. What is important to know is, third persons are usually apprised of the authority or should, um, by diligence, ascertain the authority of the agent. On the other hand, the third person is not usually aware yung instructions, yung private instructions ng principal sa agent, diba? So, however, there is still an obligation on the part of the agent to comply with the instructions of the principal. Now, Article 1888 is interesting because it states there is also an obligation on the part of the agent not to carry out the agency. And when? When? When it manifestly results in a loss or damage to the principal. So, manifest yung possibility that it will result to a loss or damage to the principal. Now, Article 1889, there's also an obligation on the part of the principal not to prefer his own interest. Because, again, it is stated that a contract of agency involves trust and confidence within the principal and agent. So, the agent shall be liable for damages. If there be in conflict between his interests and those of the principal, he should prefer his own. Next is Article 1890. The obligation of the principal, so, not to loan to himself. Well, basically, if yung principal is authorized to borrow, pwede siya magpautang. He can loan. But, if, no, again, to repeat, if the agent is authorized to borrow, pwede siya magpautang sa principal. But, if the agent is authorized to loan or mangutang on behalf of the principal, pwede siya magpautang sa principal. Pero if authorized magpautang ang principal, hindi siya pwede maghiram. So, medyo confusing ang aking pagka-explain. But basically, if authorized to borrow, the agent can be the lender. But if authorized to loan, the agent cannot be the borrower under Article 1890. Under Article 1891, since there is a fiduciary relationship, there is an obligation on the part of the of the agent to render account and this stipulation to the contrary shall be void. Now, we have Article 1892 and 1893. This involves a sub-agent. So, when we say sub-agent, a sub-agent is a person employed or appointed by an agent as his own agent to assist him in the performance of an act for the principal which the agent has been empowered to perform. So, agent of an agent, substitute of the agent, also known as a sub-agent. 
What are the legal ramifications if nag-appoint ka ng sub-agent? Well, it depends if there is prohibition, if there is authority, there is designation. If there is no authority, pero wala naman ding prohibition, the agent shall be liable for the acts of the sub-agent. Pero if merong prohibition, the acts of the sub-agent shall be void. If there is authority for the agent to appoint a sub-agent, then, pero walang gi-designate yung principal, the agent is liable for the acts of sub-agent if it turns out that the sub-agent is notoriously incompetent or insolvent. But if it happens na merong authority to appoint a sub-agent and the principal designates who that sub-agent is, then the agent is freed from liability for whatever the sub-agent may do. Yun. Basically, yun. Now, under Article 1893, the, the principal may furthermore bring an action against a sub-agent with respect to obligations which it had uh, that person, that sub-agent has contracted under the substitution. Now, in the case of Villalouz versus Land Bank, the Supreme Court set forth that the law creates a presumption that an agent has the power to appoint a substitute. The consequence of the presumption is that upon a valid appointment of a substitute by an agent, there is, ipso jure, arises an agency relationship between the principal and the substitute. In order to make the presumption inoperative and relieve himself of the effects, it is incumbent upon the principal to prohibit the agent from appointing the substitute. And according to the court, yung authority, it must contain in a restrictive language, indicative of an intention to prohibit. So, in the case of Villaluz and Land Bank, decided in 2017, when presumption authorizes your agent, appoint ang sub-agent, so, if you want, if the principal does not want that relation, he should um, provide some prohibition. Now, under 1894, if there are two or more agents, even if appointed sila simultaneously, their liability shall be joint. It is not solidary unless stipulation to that liability is provided for. In 1895, if ever meron stipulation of solidary liability of two or more agents, they shall be liable, solidary liable for the non-fulfillment of the uh, obligations. Except when yung fellow agent acted beyond authority, then the solidary liability shall not apply. 1896, the agent shall also be liable for interest. Sa anong mga instances? Number one, uh, for the sums belonging to the principal which the agent applied to his own use and the sum sums which he owed to the principal after expiration of the agency. Now, under Article 1897, this is very important. It involves the liability of an agent as to third persons. If the contract is, um, if the contract is uh, validly entered into by the agent within the scope of his authority and with, uh, in behalf of the principal, as a rule, the, prin the, the principal is the one who is liable to the contract and the agent is not personally liable. Except when, number one, the agent expressly binds himself to be liable. Number two, in 
excess of his authority, if he exceeds his authority. Now, an illustration of the general rule is in the case of Ruston Polk versus IAC in, the, in, the, in 1992. Here, Tantoko as president and manager of Ruston only represented the interests of Rustan and he cannot be made liable thereunder in his individual capacity in the absence of stipulation to that effect due to the personality of the corporation being separate and distinct from the persons comprising it. Now, in another case, in the case of DBP versus Court of Appeals decided in 1994, DBP is not authorized as an insurance agent to accept applicants for mortgage redemption insurance if the client is more than 60 years old. Knowing that dance here, no, the one who, up, who was given the insurance policy, is already more than 60 years of age, DBP acted in excess of its authority. The liability of an agent which exceeds its authority depends whether the third person was aware of the limits of the agent's power. So if unaware, yung third person na the agent acted in excess of his authority, the agent is liable, di ba? Under 1897, when he acts without authority. So this leads us to the question, what if yung third person, aware siya na ang agent walang authority? We have a specific provision for that and a very important provision under 1898. What is the effect if the third person is aware of the limits of the agent? The contract is void. The contract is void. But the agent is liable if he undertook to secure the principal's ratification. Again, if the third person is aware of the limits of the agent and the contract was entered into in excess of authority, and there is no ratification, it's not enforceable, but it is void. So, yun. Now, in the case of Safik Alkan versus Imperial Vegetable Oil, here, Monteverde, as president of IVO, was not authorized to enter into certain speculative contracts. In addition, Safik had knowledge of the president's ultra-virus acts since there was much ample time for SAFIC to have obtained from the president of the corporation prior authorization from the board of directors, yet it did not do so. So in the case of Cervantes versus Court of Appeals and PAL, here there was a round trip ticket that Cervantes had. So yun, Cervantes now sought to compromise with the schedule of the round ticket, no? And it was um, compromised already beyond expiry, expiry date with certain PAL agents. So ngayon, wala siya gipasakay, no? Because nag-expire na round ticket. Uh, Cervantes, of course, argued uh, that the agents uh, bound PAL. The court ruled that Cervantes was fully aware that there is a need to send a letter for the extension of the period of the validity of the ticket. Since PAL agents are not privy to the compromise agreement and petitioner knew the need to send a letter, he cannot use what the PAL agents did to his advantage. Under Article 1898, the third person is aware of the limits of the authority of the agent. Then, the third person is to blame and he is not entitled to recover damages from the agent. Now, 1899, Ignorance of the agent binds the principal. Under Article 1900, 
So let this involves the scope of authority, authority of the agent as to third persons. So if you're dealing with an agent, it will really matter if the authority is not in writing and the, if, if the authority is in writing. If the authority is not in writing, then third persons dealing with an agent is, dis, is ha, discharged or has the duty to exercise the diligence, the ordinary diligence of a prudent man in ascertaining whether the agent indeed has authority from the principal and the agent is acting within the authority of the principal. Now, on the other hand, if the authority is in writing, so may written power of attorney, then the third person dealing with an agent, of course, do not have to look beyond the power of attorney. Even if, in fact, yung agent and violated the instructions but still follows the what is presented in the power of attorney, the third person is the, the third person cannot be uh, expected to know about the instruction since the authority already um, provides for such. An example of that situation is the case of Siredi Enterprises versus Court of Appeals decided in 2002. Here, the agent has power of attorney. According to, it involves to the contract to enter into sale. But there was a provision in the power of attorney which says that may power ang agent to enter into contracts to build. Now, well, here yung agent nag-enter siya into a contract to build here with the Guzman. Now, yung principal niya, Siradi, denied liability, arguing na, I only empowered, we only empowered uh, the agent to, to have the authority to sell subdivision lots. So, sabi ng Supreme Court, even if the mandate is only to sell subdivision lots, as Siredi asserts, Siredi is still bound with obligations in a contract to build. Why? Because the Guzman is considered as a third party to the agency agreement who had no knowledge of the specific instructions of or, or agreements between Siredi and of its agent. What the Guzman only saw was the written letter of attorney which provides that the agent is authorized to do and execute contract or contracts to build. The Guzman is not required to go beyond the terms of the written power of attorney. It was in the written power of attorney, even though my instruction yung Siridi and agent na only for the sell, uh, only for the sale of subdivision lots, the Guzman is not expected to know that private instruction. It appeared in the written power of attorney. That's why that is the rule under Article 1900 in case the authority is in writing. Now, what if the recourse of the principal then? No? For example, in this case, Siradi, ano yung kanyang recourse if the agent does not follow the instruction? He can, uh, the, the agent may be held liable for damages. Now, also important, Article 1901, the ratification of the principal. If the, if the, if the agent acted in excess of his authority, the contract may still be valid if the agent agent's acts no or the contract was ratified by the principal or at the very least the principal has signified his willingness to ratify 
So yun, under 1902, the power of attorney or instructions, pwede siya hingiin or ask to be to presented, to be presented no, to the third person. So basically, a third person can request or can require the presentation of the power of attorney or instruction. So we have special provisions under um, agency involving a commission agent or factor agent. That's Article 1903 until Article 1908. So, who is a commission agent? A commission agent basically is an agent who um, who is compensated through commissions. The commission agent is one whose business is to receive and sell goods for a commission. Under Article 1903, a commission agent then has the obligation to to this to has the obligation or liability for the goods that was received. And if it turns out na pag received ng commission agent, there are damages or deterioration, then the commission agent should make a written statement na even though the description of the goods in the con in the consignment was like this, but I was received, but upon receipt that there was damages or deterioration, the commission agent should make a written statement in order to escape or evade or avoid the liability under 1903. Under Article 1904, the commission agent who handles the goods of the same kind and mark, which belongs to different owners, shall distinguish them by countermarks and designate the merchandise respectively belonging to each principal. Basically, 1904 means that the commission agent has obligation not to commingle the goods or merchandise. 1905. As a rule, the commission agent is not allowed to sell on credit without the authority or consent of the principal. So, for example, uh, you are a commission agent of certain sacks of rice. You are not authorized to sell them, no, na, na ibayaran lang later, because the the there unless binigyan kan authority to the principal to to sell them on credit. But if the the commission agent does so, pero wala pa authority from the principal, what what are the remedies of the principal? The principal may demand in cash from the agent or pwede niya din i-ratify yung mga sale on credit. Now, in 1906, Article 1906, if the sale is on credit, tapos authorized naman din siya ng principal, ang obligation naman dyan ng occupation agent is number one, to inform na the principal that the agent made um, certain sale on credit and uh, inform the principal the names of the buyers who bought the goods or merchandise on credit. Another um, interesting concept under 1907 is the Guarantee Commission. Artic Article 1907, when, it, when we say Guarantee Commission, this is when commission agents, in consideration of a higher commission, guarantees to the principal payment of debts arising through his agency. So, i-guarantee niya yung payments of debts. That's why there is a higher commission also known as Guarantee Commission, and the agent here is called a Del Credere agent. 
Now, Article 1908, obligation of the commission agent to collect credits. Of course, if the if the sale was on credit, the commission agent is also obliged to collect, if sold on credit, those payments if the obligations become due or demandable. Failure to do so may make the agent liable for damage. And 1909, yung agent, the agent shall be liable for fraud or negligence. And the determination of such liability will be judged more or less whether or not may compensation yung agent. And remember, under Article 1875, the agent is presumed to be one with compensation. So let's proceed with the third um, segment or aspect of agency obligations naman ng principal. Since we already know or have an idea ano yung obligations ng agent, we also have to understand what are the obligations of the principal. Basically, under Article 1910, if the agent has authority to carry out the obligations and was able to contract agency, uh, agent contract con contract obligations within authority, then under Article 1910, the principal has the obligation to comply with the obligations when it is entered into the agent within the scope of his authority or when he ratifies. So Article 1911, on the other hand, important, even when the agent has exceeded authority, the principal is solidarily liable. The principal is solidarily liable with the agent if the principal allowed the agent to act as though he had full powers. 1911 involves agency by estopel. So, 1910 makes a reference to ratification. 1911 refers to estopel. So, when the principal ratifies, the principal is personally bound. But when there is a stoppel, the principal is solidarily liable. So, what is the difference then between ratifying and the one which arises out of a stoppel? Well, we look at the intention. A stoppel arises when there is more of a prejudice than, that, than a clear intention to be bound by the contract or to ratify the contract or to make the contract valid. Well, ratification is clear that there is an intention on the part of the principal to be bound by the contract or to um, make it valid even though it was made in excess of authority of the agent. Liability, if it arises out of estoppel, solidarity with the agent. While if it's ratified, then the principal is bound and the agent is not personally liable. Article 1912, yung principal naman, may obligation din siya mag-advance ng funds or mag-reimburse ng funds. Yung advance ng funds, if necessary siya sa execution ng acts, for the, acts to be performed by the agent or i-reimburse yung agent if the principal, if the, if, if the agent made some expenses. And it shall include interest. Under Article 1913, the principal must also indemnify the agent for all the damages which the execution of the agency may have caused to the agent without fault and negligence sa part naman ng agent. So again, 
may obligation ang principal to indemnify for damages na suffered ng agent provided that there is no fault or negligence on the part of the agent. Now, the agent under Article 1914, di ba, may right siya to reimbursement or the damages. Because di ba, under Article 1912, may right ang agent for the reimbursement for the expenses made. And Article 1913, may obligation din ang principal to indemnify the agent for the damages which the agent may have suffered. So what happens if hindi siya nabayaran for the reimbursement with interest and for the damages out of the uh, out of Article 1913. Article 1914 then gives the agent the right to retain in pledge the object of agency. So, the law here prescribes that the agent has the right to hold or keep on the condition of the payment of the indemnity and the interest due to the agent if the principal does not pay. The agent then can seek for the public sale of the object of agency since this is actually a necessary or legal pledge. Now, under Article 1915, if there are two or more principals who concurred in appointing a certain agent, their liability to the agent is solidary if it was for a common transaction. Diba? Unlike, unlike the default rule, if there are two or more agents, they are only joint unless solidarity is expressly stipulated. Dito, if there are two or more principals, if there are two or more principals who concurred in the appointment of an agent for a common transaction, they are solidarily liable. We have Article 1916. It's a very important also. This involves when there are separate contracts with an agent and the principal. So it it states that the situation here is if two or two persons, no, different persons, contract one with agent and another with the principal, both contracts are incompatible. The contract with the prior date shall be preferred. So again, the contract with the prior date shall be preferred. Principal is also liable for the damages to the one who was rejected. This is without prejudice, however, on the rule on double sales under Article 1544. But, this is furthered in Article 1917. Now, in case of such situation, if the agent acted in good faith, the one who is liable is the principal, of course. But if the agent is in bad faith, the agent shall be solely responsible for the damages. Under Article 1918, the principal, however, is not liable for expenses if the agent acted in contravention of the instructions. The expenses was due to the fault of the agent and it is incurred with knowledge that unfavorable results would ensue and there is a stipulation. So those are the provisions as to the obligations of the principal. So we are now in the last part or the last... Um, Dimension, last segment of agency, which involves the modes of extinguishment of agency. Now, under Article 1919, it enumerates the modes of extinguishing agency. We have 
the acronym RWDDAE. So R stands for revocation of the agency by the principal. W stands for the withdrawal of the agency by the agent. Third is D, which involves the death, civil interdiction, insanity, insolvency of either the principal or the agent. Then we have another D by the dissolution of the firm or corporation which entrusted or accepted the agency. Fifth, A, by the accomplishment of the object or purpose of the agency. And E, for the expiration of the period for which the agency is constituted. Now, <clears throat> an agency does not last forever. Like most consensual agreements, the relationship usually comes to an end at some point. Termination of the agency can take place because of something done by the parties themselves or something beyond their control, such as operation of law or death. So, let us look at certain provisions on revocation from 1920 to until to 1927. 1920 provides that the principal may revoke the agency at will and compel the agent to return the document evidencing the agency. Such revocation may be expressed or implied. So, the principal may revoke the agency at will because the agency is based on trust and confidence. But there are instances where revocation at will is not allowed. First, when the agency is coupled by interest, we will look into that under Article 1927. When the revocation is done in bad faith or when the right to revoke is waived. Under Article 1921, the revocation as to agency when agent is authorized to contract with specific persons, revocation is upon giving notice thereof. Under Article 1922, revocation as to the agency where the agent is authorized to contract, contract with public in general, it is upon knowledge of the revocation and the notice of revocation in a newspaper in general circulation is a sufficient warning to third persons. Now, let's go to Article 1923. There is also a revocation in a way by appointing a new agent when there is incompatibility and from the day the notice thereof was given to the agent. Article 1924. There is also a revocation by way of direct management of the business by the principal where the principal directly manages the business entrusted to the agent dealing directly with third persons. Article 1925, when there are two or more principals who have granted a power of attorney for a common transaction, any one of them may revoke the same without the consent of the other. Under Article 1926, a general power of attorney is revoked by a special one granted to another agent as regards the special matter involved in the latter. Article 1926 is uh, where there is a partial revocation of general power by a special power. It is revoked by a special one granted to another agent involving the special matter involved in the general power. Now, 1927 is a very important concept in agency where revocation cannot be made at will. 
this is an agency coupled with an interest. The general rule is that the principal may revoke an agency at will, diba? The reason is that the essence of agency is the duty of obedience to the principal, except when the agency is created not only for the interest of the principal, but also for the interest of third persons. When the agency is created for the mutual interest of both the principal and agent, now in either case, the agency is deemed coupled with interest. It then becomes a part of the obligation or agreement. It is evidence that the agency cannot be revoked by the sole will of the principal as long as the interest of the agent or of the third person subsists because it is not solely the right of the principal that is affected. So, there is irrevocability of the agency then if a bilateral contract depends upon it or it is the means of fulfilling an obligation already contracted. And a situation in partnership where a partner is appointed as manager in a contract of partnership and the removal of such managing partner is unjustifiable. It is said that an agency coupled with an interest is not a true agency. This is, uh, this is argued because when one constitutes an agent, the agent has a duty of um, maintaining the trust and confidence whereby the principal has, has control over the agent. And when there is an agent with, agency with coupled with interest, the power of the principal to terminate the agency relations by revocation at will is removed, meaning that there is some degree of control that is removed from the principal, which um, in a way the, the diminishes the, the nature of an agency relation. Now, a question. If a principal contracts with an agent and an agent enters into an agency contract because the agent has interest as to the compensation to be paid for, for example, agency fee. Is this considered as an agency coupled with an interest under Article 1927? The answer is no. In the case of Lim versus Saban decided in 2004, in an agency coupled with an interest, the agent's interest must be in the subject matter of the power conferred and not merely an interest in the exercise of the power because it entitles him to compensation. Therefore, if the agent's interest is only his compensation, then that is not sufficient. That interest is an incidental interest in the exercise of the power of agency, meaning he only had an interest because there was an agency. When an agent's interest is confined to earning his agreed compensation, an agency is not one coupled with an interest since an agent's interest in com obtaining compensation is an ordinary incident of the agency relationship. Okay, so under Article 1928, is, this now involves the rules on withdrawal. An agent has the right to withdraw. How? By giving due notice to the principal. But the principal can also demand damages from the withdrawing agent if, by reason of the withdrawal, the principal shall suffer damages. But the agent shall not be liable for damages if the reason for the withdrawal was because of the impossibility of the performance of the obligations of the agency without grave detriment to himself.
Okay? So, under Article 1929, if the agent, even if, sh if he should withdraw from the agency for a valid reason, must continue to act as an agent until the principal has had reasonable opportunity to take the necessary steps to meet the situation. So, when an, when an agent withdraws, so valid yung reason niya, hindi automatic na he can just um, leave the business, no? Dapat bigyan niya muna ng opportunity mag-react yung principal to bear his belongings, no? To meet the, the, the withdrawal of the agent. Now we go to the rules in case of death. Again, under 1919, no, we know that death of either the principal or the agent extinguishes the agency. But that is a general rule. There are exceptions. Diba as was discussed earlier, under Article 1884, that the agent shall have the obligation to continue the continue or finish the business of the principal despite the death of the principal if the delay should entail danger. Next, when the agency is coupled with an interest or when the agency involves an interest in favor of a third person and the third person accepted the stipulation in his favor and under Article 1931, when there involves contracts that are validly entered into by the agent done in good faith before knowledge of the death of the principal. Which brings us to Article 1931. This involves validity of acts after the termination of agency. Now, when the agency is extinguished either because of the death or for any other cause, the the agent can still contract valid transactions when, number one, the agent acted without knowledge of the death of the principal and the third person who contracted with the agent is in good faith. Now, under Article 1932, in case the agent dies, the heirs shall have the obligation to notify the principal of the death of the agent. In addition, they should adopt such measures as circumstances may demand to protect the interests of the principal. Now, the question is, if the agent dies, are the agent's heirs subjected to the contract of agents? The answer is no. Because since agency is a contract that is based on trust and confidence, it, that, that trust and confidence, which are personal qualities of a person, are not deemed, um, are not deemed transmitted also to the heirs. However, there are submissions that there are exceptions also to this rule when it is by operation of law or that is coupled with interest. So, those are the provisions involving the modes of extinguishment of agency. So that ends the discussion on agency. It was quite a long one, but it is also a very important discussion because agency is a necessary relation, especially in business and commerce, no? Especially with the news 
involving Viva Viva Entertainment and Nadine Lustre on the issue of breach of agency contracts. So I hope you have an idea what to argue, what to use as basis, what rights, what obligations, what duties does it entail? No, do it entail if you enter into an agency relation. So I hope that you will uh, you will be able to remember and understand the discussions on agency and I hope I will be able to remember because this is covered by my exam. So thank you for listening to the second episode involving agency. Thank you for bearing with me and I hope that uh, you will be able to answer, you will be able also to understand better the civil concept of agency. Thank you and have a safe life. <laughs>